I didn't have my first sexual interlude till I was 21, which is ancient <laughs> for the 60s. You're talking peace and love in the 60s. And my brother goes, hey, what's wrong with you, man? I said, no, 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 Sly, shut up. What the f is going on? I like to party. Jesus, honey, wax much? This is Unwaxed. Get in, Lizzie, we're going shopping. With Sophia and Sistine Stallone. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Okay, you guys. Sophie and I really did not want to do an intro for today's episode because our guest is so phenomenal that one was not needed. This guest has been a long time coming. Known for his extensive music career, he has three platinum albums, 10 gold albums, and has even acted in over 60 films. But aside from being an excellent performer, our guest was once an amateur boxer, was accidentally <laughs> shot in a gun store, what? and can tell you random facts like no other. This Grammy and Golden Globe nominated artist pushes our buttons like no one else. This is our Uncle Frank. Uh, thank you, my little. Okay, Frank Stallone, people. My little sweeties, thank you. Oh, thank you. Know, you know, I, I was kind of skeptical in the old days because I heard they were doing a podcast and they go, hey, do you want to be on? I said, ah, I'd be on a podcast. And you now gave here us I am. so much crap about I know this podcast I did. initially. I know I did. I know. And I, I was so hesitant about having you on in the beginning just because I was so... I'm a little bit like, of a loose cannon. Too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But that's why you're perfect for this podcast and the brand of it. You are mm -hmm. truly unwaxed. I am unwaxed. You are unwaxed. <laughs> Unhinged, actually. Unhinged, all <laughs> of it. So what was really interesting was I was Googling you the other day. I just mm -hmm. wanted to get sort of your resume, what you've yeah. done. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that came up, and I need you to clarify this for me, mm -hmm. is your real name Francisco? No, actually, it's Frank Stallone Jr., but on my father's army thing, it says Francesco. So Italian would be Francesco. So okay. why does it say Francesco online? I, I have no idea. No why one's ever called me Francesco. Why don't you just change your name and tell Brandon? No, no, Frank is much better. Francesco would be a little too greasy. <laughs> Hello, darling. My name is Francesco. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? A little I too, mean, it kind of is working really right play now. Really playable old-school Italian. Italian thing. Yeah. I think we should just jump right into your music career. That okay. is what you're known yeah. for. You're a guitarist, a songwriter. Your love, correct me if I'm wrong, started with music when you were very young. Yeah, I started, I mean... I started singing really kind of around the house when I was five years old. And then uh, I was very privileged to be at the beginning of rock and roll because I was over, which would be your great aunt, my aunt uh, Nancy, who lived, by the way, to 99. Wow. <clears throat> and she spoke like it is. She took heat. They, no, they're <laughs> this all- This whole podcast all, is going to be accents. Yeah, they're all it. off the boat, you know? So, right. so they go, I hear it tonight, this Elvis guy going to be on the TV. So I said, okay, so we all had dinner. In those days, we'd all get together, the, mm -hmm. the Italian family, and have Sunday dinner. And Ed Sullivan, which was the biggest show on TV, was on at 8 o'clock every Sunday for like 30-some years. Right. It was, we're sitting there, I'm with my cousin Eddie and Diane and my father and the, and the old adults off the boat. So all of a sudden, right here, Elvis. And man, I, I saw this guy go, oh, yeah. This is exactly what I want to be. I mean, the floppy Elvis hair. Was the, oh, so Elvis icon. was your icon. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Oh, yeah. When he came on, well, I, I mean, I sang around the house like, you know, goofy songs of the 50s. But when Elvis came on, it was like, oh, no one ever seen anything like this right, in our life. Right. Of course, my cousin Eddie, we're sitting there going, oh, God, this is so cool. My aunt and uncle sitting there. Oh, Jesus Christ, what is he, the guy? What are you, <laughs> you know, with the dancing around, the hair flipping, thank you for everyone's baby. 
It was a phenom. It was the, one of the most watched shows in the history of well, TV. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense why he would be your inspiration yeah. because the way that you perform, your stage presence is so captivating. You guys have similar moves. Yeah. You have a lot of hips and you're pointing to people. And now pointing, I see a yeah. lot of similarities between you and Elvis. Yeah, the pointing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he did a little better than me, but other than that, <laughs> I mean, but... It was just it was just a phenom to see. I mean, because he was like the best looking guy in the world, had right. the coolest hair. Mm -hmm. It was just and, all and, the girls. Yeah, all the girls. Like today, you have your your idols, but he he was just bigger than anything we had ever seen. Then I started singing. I was listening to Everly Brothers, Bill Haley, and the mm -hmm. Commas. All that was real rock and roll radio. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in 1963, when we saw the Beatles, that put the nail in the coffin. That was and it. you're like, this is it. This is That's all I want to do. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I so I witnessed the British invasion, the Beatles, and I witnessed Elvis on TV, and I said, this is it, man. Because I really was not a good student. You know, I went to nine different schools. Wait, you know? so I was going to ask you about that because I know my dad told us that he was kicked out at 13. Was that kind of the same I didn't get, you? he got kicked out. I never got kicked out. He was a You were a much better child. why did you go to nine different schools? Yes. Well, because my, okay, let's put it in a nutshell. This will probably tell you why I'm not married. My mother was married five times. My father's married four times. Right. Boing. Boing. <laughs> yeah, a really good blueprint out there for like, you know, for marriage. Good examples. <laughs> yeah, yes. really good examples. And everyone in my family was divorced. Except yeah, my true. aunt, Tatina, who never came here. She stayed in Italy. She stayed married for like 70 years. Maybe she was a smart the, one. He was staying in Italy. Huh? Maybe Key was staying in Italy, not coming Key, to California. Yeah, I mean, by the time they came over, she was married already, you know, in 1932 wow. when they came over. Wow. But your great-grandfather, Sylvester, Silvestro, he came over in like 1919. But he came over with my aunt, he came over with my Aunt Kelleen. Mm -hmm. And in those days, so he was a barber. So he worked, and I believe it was interesting and like, 11, 12 years later, he brings the rest of the family over. So he was gone for years and years at a time. Mm. They're building. And you got to admit, for a guy that was born in 1883, he had his own barbershop. So he was, a, he was, you know. He did pretty well. Yeah, he, did, well, yeah, he was so, a barber. Yeah, because of all of the different marriages. And yeah, yeah. is that why you guys were constantly moving schools? Or why were you moving well, schools? Yeah, well, we were in Maryland, Sly and I. And we were going to school. And then my mother flew the coop mm -hmm. and uh, so then i ended up in midstream going to catholic school which was night and day from public school yeah catholic school they were writing longhand we were still printing this is the first grade right so overnight i swear to god it was like i was it was kidnapped like i was sitting there hey well what happened i came home and i rang the doorbell and i sat there for five hours no one mm. came to the door my mother had taken off she left my father comes home wearing his, you know, hairdressing outfit, you know, the tunic, you know, the white, like a doctor's smock. Yeah. And he said, pack up. And I went to my Aunt Rose's that night, went to Catholic school the next day and flunked first grade. So I have so many questions. And mm -hmm. I was watching your documentary the other day mm -hmm. just because so, I wanted a refresher uh -huh. on you. And there's so many stories of my dad being oh, violent towards you, oh. which I want to get into. But what I found interesting is that you mentioned in your documentary that you even failed music class. Oh, this yeah. This is your thing. You How do you fail class? something that you're almost well, a savant at? Yeah, yeah, you know what? Because, again, in public school, you would think you'd start a little slow in music, mm -hmm. but they start with, like, Shostakovich. We're what, like, oh, you know, what we're is listening that? to Jimi yeah. Hendrix. And we go, what the hell is this, you know? Yeah, right. So I brought in the first Jimi Hendrix album, Are You Experienced, to music class. And the teacher goes, okay, Frank, let's see what we have. Like, almost like the church lady, you know? Yeah, right. So we put it on, it was like, 
purple oh, haze. Like and the class is going, yeah. And he goes, by the way, that chord notation is taken from a Polybetsian <laughs> theme. They're, they're trying like, what to. The hell? Oh, so they're yeah. trying to really dissect it into something. Dissect that's it, like but I think if it was started more with popular music and yeah. led into it, but they started with the really heavy classics. Right. You know, Tchaikovsky's Six, which is, I love all that music now, but it's hard for like a. 12-year-old brain yeah. to pull that right. in. Right. Wait, so I, this is totally off. I saw the guitar, and I remember you, when was your first guitar that you bought? And I remember a story that Dad also told me that he stole a guitar for you oh, <laughs> for Jesus. like a present. You know Did he, he steal still, your first guitar? Is that no, the first no, guitar No, it's not my had? first. That's I okay. had guitars. Okay. I had a lot. I had guitars, you know. My first guitar was a cheap guitar, you know. My mother bought, when my mother came back after a while, she had married this other guy. And she did a nice Christmas for us, probably the only good one we had. But she, I saw she bought two ukuleles, like with palm trees on them, mm. for my brother and I, thinking we're gonna be like the Everly Brothers or <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Within two hours, he smashed it over my head. So the, the yeah, ukulele. he broke both of them. Yeah, he broke both Smash of them. It. He also Why broke all. No, but he also <laughs> broke all of your instruments. Everything. Terrible. What is wrong? He's he so was jealous. he was the original Dennis the Menace. <laughs> yeah. He's just it just I think he I think now when I look back, I think we both have serious ADD. Oh, I mean, I know oh, I did. Yes. Yeah. I did. Absolutely. And I don't think anyone knew how to address it because he oh, was no. very hyperactive. Right. And also he was a little self-conscious about his mouth and his right. So poor guy had the name Sylvester and he kind of had a crooked mouth. So he used to get picked on and he would he had my father's temper. He'd just punch you right in the nose. What do you think oh, twice God. about it? Like bang. He was getting in fights every day. So then he kind of got into superheroes. He jumped off the, the roof of the house, oh, broke his collarbone. Yeah. <laughs> my father was like, God damn it, they're not. And my father was really, he was pretty mean. He yeah, was he was a little, little excessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both your parents were a little bit. Little much. excessive, <laughs> a little much. I mean, I remember he can't understand to this day. Yeah, dad, we beat the shit of me. I said, Sly, you snuck out of the house at 13 and stole his Cadillac and got into an accident. Okay, oh, see, I, you know what? That's why I like talking to you. That's true. Because Sly never tells the truth about a story. No, and never. we get the honest truth from you. That is true. He stole a Cadillac at 13? My father's Cadillac. I would say, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, that music really gave you a direction and a purpose. Yeah. So you had something to focus on, whereas he didn't really so know had what no he direction. wanted. No, he exactly. lived on fight or flight the whole time. He had no direction. Right. He was, uh, you know, I mean, but I will say one thing. We used to go to movies all the time. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it was... 15 cents to get in. It's crazy. How nice is that? And they just park you there like all Saturday. Hours. There'd be three features, funnies, the newsreels, and we just sit there. I mean, for a dollar, you're like, are you kidding? It's like, we're rich. <laughs> Candy was five cents. So he got into the soup. I was into the Elvis thing. He got into the Hercules superhero type thing. Mm -hmm. Which, because he was skinny, and again, when you had the name Sylvester, the big thing there was Sylvester the Putty Cat. If you were going, yeah, eh, fucking cat. Oh, Sylvester, the, yeah, 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 I remember. So he was always getting in fights. And he was tough. He was wiry, but he was, he was, had my father's temperament. He didn't, he didn't give a shit. I know dad taught me growing up all about like Joseph Campbell and like Greek mythology and all this big. He wasn't uh, talking about that then. Oh, was he? <laughs> no, but maybe he that's He was talking about I, Joseph Campbell then? No. No, he was telling me about it now, but I think that makes sense why he was loving Hercules. Because oh, they yeah. all gods and stuff. Well, that was the thing, you know, because he was skinny, you know. Yeah. And, and Do you think that maybe at that time when you 
found this thing that you really love and yeah. you're pursuing it and you're going for it that he was resenting you because you oh, found your thing. Oh, he would definitely resent me. Right. Oh, yeah, he would always, like I'm saying, I'd be going, anyway, and he'd walk up and punch me in the nose, like for nothing. No Wait, so why did you hire him as a manager? And I know it lasted one yeah, day. Yeah, he was a oh, manager I'll tell you for how one that day. Happened. Yeah. Because I think... He doesn't sound like a manager I would want to hire. Oh, God. <laughs> Deep down, I think me being... I'm just a natural singer. I mean, it was just natural for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to... And I think he resented it because he really wanted to be a singer. I can attest to that because he'll sometimes belt in the bathroom. He's a horrible singer. Horrible, horrible singer. He, he, might be, but he tries. He, he tries. tries so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and he would always <laughs> bug my band. He'd come to the rehearsal. Oh, you guys sound like a bunch of pussies. This is how you should sing it. <laughs> and it was like oh, all God. flat, and the guys would be like. <laughs> and they were afraid of him because he yeah. was like bodybuilding. We were like skinny, anemic looking rock stars there. Like, you know. Right. And. Why'd you hire him as a manager? Oh, I didn't hire him. He hired himself. What yeah. happened was we went to a place on Roosevelt Boulevard where we lived in Philadelphia. It's a place called Jeans on the Boulevard. And I was definitely underage. I was mm -hmm. like 15, maybe. And he was, well, if I was 15, he was like 18, 19. But I think he was still underage to drink. And he didn't really drink anyway that much. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we go in, there was a band playing, the Soltastics. And of course, he's sitting there. And he always had a lot of bravado. He would just go, up and he would, hey. Yeah, so he yeah. goes, hey, you guys sound good, man. He goes, hey. And then, of course, he starts picking on me. Yeah, you guys, you dress like shit. This is how you should dress. I said, he goes, do you have a manager? They said, yeah, a guy named Jack McQuaid. And so he, he cuts the card. He goes, well, who are you? He goes, I'm their manager. So he's oh, like, he oh, he just, he instantly yeah, just calls yeah, himself Put in. himself in. And he got us an audition with this guy, Jack oh, really? McQuaid, in okay. the afternoon. That, now, remember, they're just phones in those days, you know, mm -hmm. ring yeah, them up. Right, right. So we went down to this bad neighborhood, actually, where, God, I'm sick of these goddamn phones. That's, I'm just turning it <laughs> off. I don't want to hear from anybody. Know who that is? Who? Jennifer. Who do you oh, think? My it's dad. Jennifer Sly. Sly, probably. Hello? Who's this? Oh, man, get lost. What was that? that I thought like it was a... Sly. He's no, that sounded like, like a woman. Did you hear that? That was weird. It. It that sounded really like weird. one of your girlfriends. Wait, that was like... What, what? No, it was like a Martian or something. No, it, it was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and when I hear that, you know, I think people try to be funny or use accents. I said, yeah, you already sound like a jerk-off. No, you use accents. Anywhere else? That, like, actually kind of scared me. No, I thought usually it's no. Sly. Yeah, it is. And he would always have to call... An opportune moment, but I know if it's him, he oh, he likes to FaceTime, which I hate. Yeah, he does FaceTime all the time. Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving. <laughs> Hello. So Wait, what so happened? So, yeah, one day, last of one day, what happened? Oh, so we went down, we auditioned. The guy liked us. He goes, yeah, but you got to get outfits because we dressed like kind of like the Rolling Stones. You know, we were like in the. So I said, what are we gonna do? We have to get like outfits, which I really didn't want to do. So we went down. We found a clothes store, and if you see pictures. We had these wide, they're like heavy pants, but they were wide check pants and well, orange like, turtlenecks. Like wool pants? Yeah, stupid. And orange turtleneck. Like just the worst oh, thing you could play in a group. Horrible. Yeah, we're not, sweating not to death. Thing to wear. Yeah, it's horrible. And my hair was like curly. I was trying to straighten it. So I go on stage five minutes. Oh, God. You know? What is with you guys That's straightening your hair? That's a lot. I look. understand. Now, now, your father had totally straight hair up until now it's really his curly. 50s. No, seriously, he had he had really thick, straight hair. And I freaked him out when his hair was getting curly because he used to always tease me. I said, how you like it now, pal? 
but his hair had really, you saw like Lords of Flatbush, that's what yes. his hair was like. Yeah, very. But through all of this, you actually ended up being successful, which is crazy that you started out in this like chaotic kind of childhood amazing. and like beginning early stages of the career, which yeah. you really never know. I mean, I think that's how all creatives are. It's never going to be an easier yeah, path. I mean, but you guys really had all the odds against you. Everything. We don't have any, I mean, mm -hmm. the closest, I mean, no one has any talent in my family. I mean, my not you guys, but I'm talking like, if <laughs> we're looking you. at my aunts yeah, we, and we uncles and stuff like that, there was no, it wasn't like, you know, but you a musical prodigy. But you and my dad really did have something there. Like it was, which it is crazy. It must be somewhere in the genes somewhere. Somewhere, I don't know. So I, I haven't seen it yet. He definitely can't cut hair for him, like his he is life. He's the worst. He's the worst. You know how many times he's cut my hair? How many times he's cut our hair? And dyed our hair? Ruined it. Ruined, ruined it. Completely demolished it. He would do it. it all the time. We were in Florida. He goes, hey, here's the... When he cut it, I go, hey, man. You know, being the little brother, okay. And he just like it was crooked, off. Horrible. 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 But you ended up having a pretty successful career. I mean, Sistine and I, we watched, obviously, your documentary and just seeing your timeline through it. Well, what's interesting is, you know, of course, every time you go up, there's a lot of disappointment that comes with getting there. And... Major. You were really vulnerable. If you guys haven't seen this documentary, it's called Stallone, Frank That Is. Which I want to ask you about the title. It's on Amazon Prime. It's really entertaining. And you've got some great cameos in there. Yeah, well, for yeah. conservative Catholic, we still won six Best Picture awards. No, it's actually a really fun watch. But I found out a lot about you, and I didn't know that you're not really one to want to share the stage with anyone. I feel like you've had a lot of groups, you've had a lot of bands, yeah. but you're more of a solo act. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like a... I, According I to John Oates. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, John so, Oates was my lead guitar player. If you guys don't know who John Oates is, Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates was... My lead guitar player. Your lead guitar. I was the lead singer, not him. I so was, how did that fall apart? Well, you know what? Like, he was going to college. We were just, you know, a rock band. And, you know, like in those days, hey, man, I'm going to college and travel Europe, you know, with a bat. Right, right. So he went off, and then, of course, he came back. He was always good friends with Daryl Hall, and they started a group, and the rest is history. They well, became... it's so interesting because I went to a concert, a Hollow Notes concert, about a lot two of three years records, ago. Man. Yeah. yeah. I went about three years ago, and I somehow ended up backstage, and he came up to me and was like, I used to be in a band with your uncle and talk all about you. Did he really? Yes. Oh, they introduced you as Sistine Stallone. I don't so know what they did. He must have but known your last name. Yeah. Possibly, oh, because he, he was talking about you. Wasn't he nice? You. The sweetest. He's very nice. But I thought that was so... I didn't know that you were in a band with him. I freaked yeah. out. <laughs> Isn't that um, I also want to talk about you were really upset about being snubbed from the Academy Award nomination. Well, What was yeah. it for Far From Over? It was for, for Best Song. And and the reason I wasn't... Listen, I did. I don't dislike Barbra Streisand, but that day I did. But I think she's... No, I think she's an iconic, great artist. Yeah, but this is what happened. The year 1983, and I came, you know, from Zip. I mean, I was I was my brother's stand-in in Rocky Three, and I sang. So I got beat up by him in the movie. I got beat up by Mr. T, and I'm on stage singing. So I was like the singing heavy bag, you yeah, know. Yeah, right, so, right, right. And he always cheap shot. He hit me hard, like bang, you know. So he was practicing. I uh, practicing for his role. <laughs> it's, it's still in his 30s, still punching me, right? So what happened? There were five songs that were nominated. There was. What a Feeling from Flashdance, mm -hmm. Maniac from Flashdance, Far From Over from Staying Alive, one song from Tender Mercies that never even charted past like 98, and one from Yentl, Barbara Streisand, that never gotten to the, at the bottom of the chart. That's a pretty stocked uh, yeah, nomination Yeah, Far group. From Over was number one at Yeah, the number chart. one. So was Maniac and so was, was What a Feeling. Yeah, What a Feeling. So I figured, incredible. 
So I, I was doing my first album cover shoot with one of the great, he became a very famous photographer, Greg Gorman. And I was there with my girlfriend, Chelsea. She was one of the solid gold dancers on TV. It was like, yeah. Chelsea. So, Where is Chelsea? Yeah. We need to bring Chelsea on. Chelsea's married to uh, the guy, what's that famous? Scott Bakula. Who's I don't that? know who the, who the hell that Scott is. Scott Bakula. He's been on TV for like 80 years. All right, good for Chelsea. So, anyway, good for her, yeah. Good for me. Good for Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, okay. No, no, no. So, so uh, what happens? So, I'm doing the shoot with my brother. And we're having champagne, and that is the day they're announcing the Academy, you know, nominations. And I wasn't expecting to win. I thought my friend Michael Cimbello was going to win for Maniac, where I thought it was a great song. Mm -hmm. So, but at least it would have been really cool to have been nominated. It would have been like two brothers, him nominated for Rocky, best writer, best actor, and me, you know, nominated for best song. It's amazing. Which would have been kind of cool to be nominated anyway, It'd be incredible. Right? So my brother calls. I'm going to shoot. And I know it's, yeah, you're doing his brother. I said, oh, fuck. Here you already know. No, no. I thought, uh -huh. I said, what happened, man? He goes, hey, I got bad news. I said, who died? I, there was no way in my mind I thought I was going to lose my nomination. There's only five songs nominated, right? He goes, you lost your nomination. I go, what? Wow. Oh, no. That's impossible. How could I lose it? There were only five songs. There were five songs in the Grammys, five songs in the Golden Globes, and five songs in the Oscar. You know what they did? Mine was number one. They took my song out and put another Barbara Streisand oh, two, song. Oh, out. so they put two for her. Two for Why? her, and they and they bubbled under at ninety. They never even rated. Oh, so and that's, then I was pissed. Yeah, then that because I know I got screwed on that. Yeah, one. how probably. long did it take you to get over that? I would still take that pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I said Barbara Streisand. No. Now I go, you know what? So wait, so to unfair. contrast this whole thing, what's your most proud moment as a musician? I think my most proud moment was uh, all the attention I got when Staying Alive came out. Because you have to understand, I've been struggling for 19 years mm -hmm. since I was 15 years right. old. So it was, you know, and I was always, you know, and especially got, I mean, before it was one thing, but when Rocky came out, I mean, I just got Rocky to death. Everything I did was like, hey, I like your song. Hey, what's it like being Rocky's brother? I mean, so that was just like, you know, it was right, like right, right, something right. I couldn't get, get, get away, away with because you got to understand, he was 29, I was 25. He was at the peak, he was the biggest movie star in the world, peak of his career. So right. it wasn't like, so it wasn't like there was a handbook. So what do you do when unemployed actor becomes the biggest movie star in the world overnight? Yeah. I mean, what do you do? It's like the first viral uh, huge. person. Because I mean, today that's like it's so, huge. That, so actually, is that why then you named your documentary Stallone, Frank, that is. Yeah, because... To kind of highlight and kind of make fun well, of the because, fact that... Yeah, because they would always do... i do these cheap movies when I was starting out. Coming, Stallone! And then under it have Frank, like this big and microscopic, <laughs> like, letters. So they would sell... Yeah, but wouldn't that, like, hurt your feelings just a little bit? Well, of course. I yeah. mean, but they had one thing. Christopher Mitch and myself did a movie. It was a horrible movie. And But anyway, his father was Robert Mitch and was a great star. So I saw the poster... And it says, Stallone, Mitchum, these huge letters, and our faces with the pistol. It's the exact same poster from Nighthawks. That's I know goes, exactly what you're talking about. Oh. But our names are this small. It's Stallone this big and Frank under there. I just, I, listen, most of these guys were cheesy anyway. They were just trying to, like, you know, sell it to, like, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like, that's like everything Istanbul today. or somewhere, you know. Well, no, they always try to do that. I mean, with anything, they're going to put the biggest I mean, this name. Is and it is still your name, so it's but it still, is, like... But it is something that Sophia and I can definitely relate to you on. 
I think for a long time we really struggled to find our own identity and yeah. our own name. And every time we did do something or get a cool opportunity, people would say, oh, the door was open. Oh, you got it because of your dad, et cetera, et cetera. And it really takes yourself to give you, you know, you need a mental shift because you could either live your life feeling bad for yourself or just accept the opportunities that come and sort of block out all the other noise. Yeah, listen, you girls worked hard to get this show going. I mean, the thing no, is, but I'm but saying you, you will get it. I mean, and, and if other things happen in the future that are big, we'll all get it. Ah, well, the only reason they're slot. I said, you know what? Okay. They, they said that about me and staying alive. I mm -hmm. said, yeah, but I wrote the songs. No one wrote the songs. I mean... That's the thing. Like, you actually put in the work. You put in the sweat, yeah. the tears. If they were lousy songs, as you know, Hollywood is not that generous. If they were not good songs, they're not they going were, in the they movie. They would say yeah. Your song's going, raw. Absolutely Thank not. you. But they're not going in the movie. No. And I have to give my brother credit. I mean, thank God the Bee Gees quit. Whew. Or I wouldn't have been around because I tried to push my songs all the time. Yeah. Like, and, and they're always like, yeah, it sounds really good. Next. I want to talk right. about you on stage. Okay. Last time we saw you, you were playing at this really cool jazz bar. Right. And you're so funny because you talk to the people, you interact with the crowd. Mm -hmm. If someone goes to the bathroom, you say, hey, where are you going? Yeah. You point at them. You say, why do you do that? Pull your fly up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, you know, I think it comes from all the years, as I was telling the gals before, when I was coming up, like when your father used to come see me, so I played four shows a night. That was... 160 minutes of music per night. Wow. And me being the main singer. So that's five nights a week, 160 minutes. So it's a lot of time. So doing that, it was a great breeding ground mm -hmm. for dialogue, talking to people. Because yeah. we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have that stuff. So when you, you'd play 40 minutes, you'd have a 20-minute break. You'd go over and talk to people at the bar, the girls, whatever. And you so you learned it. It's like when... who. Were you saying you wanted to do a stand-up comic thing? Yes. It's brutal, man. Let me tell you Don't something. Don't even get me started. I'm really thinking this is a bad idea. I think it's a real bad idea. But that's why I'll, it's going to be fantastic. You, because you die alone. And I, got t I can tell you my comedy career. I'll tell oh. you what happened. And you know, I am funny on stage. Yeah, you are, you, funny. Wait, you are funny. You are funny. You had a comedy I actually career? should take some advice from you. No, I did I, for one day. And I said, this is not for me. I was playing at a place where your dad went to college in Coconut Grove called The Flick. It was a coffee house, very famous. I was opening for a few acts. Dion was a famous singer in the 50s and someone else. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I don't know, I just went through my set really fast. So I <laughs> go on up he goes, hey, kid, where do you think you're going? I said, well, I'm done. He goes, nah, you're not done. You have to play for another 20 minutes. I said, um, I don't have any more songs. Oh, God. Well, do something. So I went on stage. And you started doing. And I didn't have my guitar, and I started doing comedy, stand-up. It I got a standing ovation. Really? So the owner fired me as a musician and hired me as a comic. No way. So I swear to God, honey, the next day I went on stage, and I died so bad. Wait, it was wait. Like, I have a question. Oh, I have a question. Like, so bad. you Why went up. You went up this? the first time. No material. Killed it. Just shooting the shit. Killed it. Did you come in the next day having some things prepared? Were you going to nah. plan on repeating what you had Just said? Just kind of repeat, wing it. And I realized that oh, it, comedy is really an art. I mean, that's why these guys you see when they go on stage, they have tape recorders. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really study what works and doesn't work. Oh, yeah. It's very hard. I mean, yeah. guys like Bill Burr, you think it looks easy, but that's it's so years nice. well, and timing. years. It's like, same thing with being a stage performer. Like, it's years and years. So hard. 
Are you planning on getting back on stage soon? Yes. Possibly in Oklahoma City or, or Atlantic, Atlantic City. City. What's happening? I would like to play in Atlantic City and uh, and have the family come down and see me because Atlantic City, even though I'm not from New Jersey, I lived there a long time. That is kind of my stomping grounds, Philadelphia, Atlantic mm-hmm. City, Delaware, and some New York. And my friend is the CEO of the Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I mean, don't you think my show would be perfect for casinos? Perfect. Perfect for oh, casinos. Oh, yeah. Perfect, perfect for casinos. It's a very weird show. That's why I have a problem. They go, well, tell me what your show's like. I go, I can't. Because no, it's a lot of fun. It's so, you can't Eclectic. really describe it. Yeah, honestly, every single time I've gone to your show, it's been totally different. Because I have albums in big band and, of course, stuff from the movies and stuff. So it transcends it. it it's a very smooth transition. I might start out with, because it's witchcraft, dun, 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 like Sinatra. And then all of a sudden I'll go into, baby, like a soul song. Yeah. But it, but it, but it just slides into it. And then all of a sudden I'll do Johnny Cash, Ring of Fire. It's so much fun. And so it's really, I hate to say it because it sounds like a schmaltzy like act. Hey, there's something for everybody, but it's, but it's rock and roll. I Would mean, you when it- like Kings of Leon? I love the Kings of Leon. Why didn't you sing that? Like something a little bit more current too. We gotta get them on TikTok. I'm like the worst. I'm definitely not current. I didn't even know who Drake is. They go, Uncle Frank, whatever. We don't talk like that. I don't know. Time. But I know Post Malone is, who I think is great. He yeah. loves Post Malone. I do like him. I think he's really good. I think you guys would be best friends. But my oh, favorite yeah. part, one of my favorite parts about watching you perform is seeing all of the women in the front row just swoon. Oh, and swoon. you know, can swoon. I tell you, honest to God, I swear to you, I promise, I'm not even aware. People go, no, Frank, you're in the zone. what? Are you thinking that girl's like? I go, where is she? She goes, she's right here, in the front. I go, all right, but I'm really kind of. You it, can't tell me back in the day you didn't notice. Oh the yeah, hot well I was in, in a bar this big playing. It was pretty hard to notice. The <laughs> scary thing was there is that, uh, you know, when I was a 22 year old kid, I was you know what they call full of piss and vinegar, and so we used to <laughs> kind of chase because I started late. I didn't have my first sexual interlude till I was 21, which is ancient <laughs> for the 60s. You're talking peace and love in the 60s. And my brother goes, hey, what's wrong with you, man? I said, nah, no, 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 man. shut up. Yeah, he's like a lecture, the lecture, okay? Oh, so, my God. So I was a late starter. You have to understand, in the 60s, peace and love, people were getting laid, you know, whatever. Young. Yeah, but it was a course. different era. Yeah, and I was in the music business, but I was like, I made it like, hey, man, you should see what I did last night. Like, actually nothing. No. <laughs> so, but I was on stage and people, so when I got the opportunity to get my band together, we were playing those clubs, we made up, I made up for lost time yeah, immensely yes. so. so in not, terms so, yeah. of catching up. Yes. Yeah. Right. Catching up. Good for yeah. you. Because I was up 23, so the girls were like 19, 22, so 24. So is that... Is that why you've stayed single forever? Like you said, the last time you had a girlfriend was in the seventies, eighties. Well, you brought over Still. a few girls for few Christmas, girls, yeah. and I really yeah. liked all. Every of year them. was a new girl, but they were—they're all sweet. They're nice. My synopsis: I think maybe you got heartbroken really bad once, and it just left a, left a scar Did you ever on been, your heart. Have you ever been heartbroken? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, everyone gets heartbroken. It's just such a drag. Like you always ask me, Uncle Frank, you've never owned a dog. Well, either of you. I mean, we had family dogs. 
Yeah, that's true. Like, you don't have, yeah. like, a dog. But, live, uh, so I never, like, lived I on my own. But I know that for hundred, like, one trillion percent, I will get my own dog eventually. Yeah, but but you, why didn't you ever? Were you just... I don't want a dog. I don't on my you. own? Yeah. She well, always says that. It's I, I, I just think... It's a lot of work. Picking a poop first thing in the morning is not my idea of, like, sexy. Hey, honey, I'll be out. Let me just pick up some dog crap. Thank you. Straying away from the animal talk, when you were at, like, the height of your career... Mm-hmm. You're do- you said staying alive, you were doing. That I'd say you- that with 83, that's when it all kicked in, where I was yearning for the respect that I yearned for so many years. And you got fellow it. You artists. you got it. Yeah. yeah. Fellow artists come up, hey, man. Tina Turner came to the premiere of Staying Live. She goes, man, you should write some songs for me. Of course, I should have, because the next year, her album, Private Dancer, sold 40 million copies. Why didn't you? Because of the knucklehead. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> Because you had Sly as your manager, and that was the problem. Oh, that, no, that's I, right. So you're at the height of your career. Yeah. I'm sure women are coming after you left and right. Did you have a go-to line that was sort of just in your back pocket that you'd always use? Yeah, what are you doing later? That was oh. the <laughs> That easy, huh? Yeah, hey, I'm in town for only a few hours. What do you have to do? It's funny, Cecilia. But I did have a girlfriend at that time. That was oh, a dancer did. from staying. From, uh, was she your only yes. girlfriend? Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, I mean... I had, yeah, I was, I, I, look, I, I admit, I'm a horrible boyfriend. I'm the worst. Why? Why were you just not consistent? Well, I wasn't like the most, I wouldn't say I was the most honest boyfriend out there. <laughs> oh. Because Ooh. I figured, and I think there is a, a, a protective mode of protecting your emotions in that way. Where, on the other hand, your brother and I, your father and I raised in the same house, but he always had a girlfriend. Okay. And I think because he's a Cancer, which is the moon sign, and of course I'm a Leo, which is like- You're a Leo? Yeah. yeah. Are you into just, astrology just as much as he is? Well, I'm into it because my mother was into it. Right. See, that's the thing. People don't realize it when we're talking about astrology, family. we're not like just doing it randomly. Her grandmother fam- was yeah. a, wrote books on it. Yeah, so we do kind and of believe kind it. Of, and she, she was, was out there. No, it's, she was an ass reader. No. Uh, oh, rumpology. I said, Mom, that's enough. Well, so let me, I was there- what are you kidding me? Let me explain it. Let me explain. Have it. you ever yeah. judged a girl on um, her sign? I do it all the time. Really? All the time. So, what's your compatibility? For me, probably Aries, Leo, maybe Sag. Uh, Scorpio's a no-no for Frank Stone. Yeah. But I'm really attracted to him. But I know it's just a disaster. disaster it's like walking into a propeller <laughs> because it first starts good because they're really sexy and they're like funny. But they're very, very jealous. Deep and emotional. And very possessive. So the two times I've, like you said, had my heart broken, both Scorpios, mm. but I still keep coming back like an idiot. And it's like, <laughs> but I know, but so, so, but now I predict a disaster. I know yeah. it's going to fail. You know, Sistine's a Cancer. I know she is. Right? I'm a Virgo. Virgo. And the, the little a, one's a Gemini. Gemini. But she is like a Gemini. She's, she's, such, she's a Gemini. such a Gemini. She's Gemini. everywhere. She's, she's, like, a, she's everywhere. <laughs> Why do you, why, we don't sound like that. Well, you sound like you're from California, even though you were born in Miami. You were born and raised. The only time I was ever saw the girl's birth, well, not birth, the day was Scarlet. Really? Yeah, because you were born. I was in Florida. Florida. She was in, you were in, I was in LA. What year were you born? 98. I think I was fighting with your father then. I don't think we were talking. Yeah, about I, I want to talk about that because um, you guys... Brothers go we through. We go. We've gone where we don't talk for a few right. years. Right, really highs sucks. and lows. Yeah. And, I hate it. Yeah. So, what do you think? You don't you have think to get he's judgmental. Specific. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say he's judgmental. But I think he, it's I'll more tell you from he, like a cancer side. Yeah. Very sensitive. So oh, yeah, it's very we, sensitive. If we feel like, if I feel like Sophia hurt me, right? Yeah. I'm not going to lash right back out and then forgive right away like she would. 
we honestly need to remove ourselves for a certain period of time, like, and I then we'll feel better. I fights that we've had where it was blow out fights. The scene has said to me, leave me. Because I'm one of those people, let's talk it out let's and figure it out it. and resolve it right now. And you kind of like to go in And she goes away for like four hours, and I'm reeling in my head because I can't do that. So I think that. my dad's the That's same way, but there was a bit of a long-term separation. There was, and I hate that because I love yeah. my brother. I, I mean, I think he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. You guys now, are he's sarcastically together. funny. I mean, he really is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Like, we were having dinner, and he mentioned like something about, no, listen, it's like, you don't listen if I say Polly wants a cracker. And for some oh, reason, yeah. he said that, and we all started. His, it just makes no sense. Makes, <laughs> his mother, we were just cracking up. He goes, what's so funny? I said, just, why that? Oh, yeah, Polly everything. wants a cracker. I know. I feel like we just make fun of the things and his catchphrases. But he, he is funny. He is funny. He's but he's funny, funny until he makes you the punchline of the joke. Because well, there has been multiple times, oh, my whole multiple stories fun. of him just torturing you Can I tell you the laughter. true story about the stolen guitar? Yeah. Sure. This thing has been going around since 1970. And even her mother... In my documentary, she says, Sly has no memory of anything. She yeah, goes, I always go memory. to Frank. Like, it's a different story. Yeah, 100%. it's a totally different he story. He embellishes it. Okay, this is what happened. I was living, I think I was living in Philadelphia, and I hadn't seen him probably a year and a half until I moved to New York and we were living together. Mm-hmm. And he went to, I'm going to leave the music store nameless in Manhattan, and he walked in, and it was a Martin 12-string, which at that time... $350 was a lot of money in 1970. Oh, Believe yeah. it or not, it's like like $4,000 now. And he was there, and he doesn't even play. And he stole this, <laughs> took the guitar, ran out of the store with this brand-new Martin guitar. And I don't know how he did it, but he did it. So he had this guitar for a few years. It's not like he stole it from me like I was standing there. Hey, here's your... So all of a sudden, I said, hey, Sly, man, what do you, what do, you do with this guitar? You know, I, when I moved to New York, he says, uh, I don't know. I said, why would you take it? I don't know. He didn't say he took it for me. Oh, he just he took it for the... Oh, yeah, he said just, that he took it for you. And he said he wanted to then give why, you a present. He hadn't talked and to me for years. And he never gave it to you. Oh. Until years later. <laughs> so then, and I said, you did not steal it from me. My, your father, God rest, bless him, had very light fingers in the old days. He was just, we didn't have anything. He was like, he No, but he always said, when he tells the story of how he sold that guitar, he said it was one of the scariest moments ever because it was a heavy guitar and him running down that street trying to be secretive about it was impossible. Yeah, it was. But I, he didn't, but so what happened, I traded it. Yeah, oh yeah. When I went to yeah, Florida, there was a famous singer in Florida who wrote Everybody's Talking named Fred Neal, and he's just a great artist. And there was this Cuban-made 12-string called a Miguel Compagnier, which is a beautiful guitar. And this guy had it playing. I was looking, I go, man, because I love Fred Neal. It was a beautiful 12-string. And I had the Martin. And I liked the Martin, but I like that one better. So I, I wheeled and deal with this guy for like five months. And he goes, okay, we'll trade. Mm-hmm. And then... He got so mad. Well, here's he goes, is that the Martin? I go, yeah, man, it's a Martin. He doesn't know anything the difference no, between yeah. the guitars. And then he found out I traded. Hey, you know, I could have gone to jail. Yeah, he he was starts so yelling. Sad. I said, dude, you didn't steal from me because you had it for a few years before you ever gave it to me, and I wasn't even living in New York. And John Hertzfeld goes, hey, brother, John Hertzfeld's like, uh, like our family. You know, he's been Sly's friend for how long? For like 50, 50 yeah. years. Yeah. And so that's what, so I just said, okay, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's such a I funny can't win. Story. But he did not, it wasn't like, 
a burnt offering like he came home he goes hey look what i got for you like oh i like God. i like i had like a shoe box yeah. for a guitar or something no i would have to say one of my favorite stories ever between the two of you was i believe you were in hawaii and there was something to do with a black sea urchin and your afro he stuck it in my hip, hip, face and hair <laughs> Basically, I hate I hate skin diving. So we were they go, hey, you want to take skin diving lessons? I go, not really. And my hair was like down to here. It was curly. It was like this. And we're under there, and he just cannot help himself. All of a sudden, he pulls my mask off, and I go into total panic mode. I come up. I go, what are you doing, man? <laughs> so then ass. he finds a sea urchin and he sticks it like right, kind of in my hair and face. And it just. Latches. Latch, you can't get it out. Latches to his hair. So now I come out of the water. I look like a total moron with the sea urchin like stuck in my hair. And he thinks it's funny. Yeah. Wait, how did you get it off? Did he have to pee on you? I have no idea how I got it. I think I had to cut some of my hair. I was really pissed. Zazina's thalassophobia. Yeah, because, you know, as I you know. I think you might have thalassophobia. Falafel? <laughs> what, is I'm afraid of falafels or what? Thalassophobia is fear of deep water. Yes, we hate green And like food. not knowing what's underneath. <laughs> Oh no, oh no, yeah, because we had a summer house, man, and I was always afraid I was gonna snap step on one of those snapping turtles. It freaked me out. <laughs> so, That's like the, I would be more scared of sharks. But you know, like oh turtles. no, turtles. But uh, you know, as you talk in, in my in my uh documentary we talked about my panic attack era. Which was horrible. I'm so glad you brought this up. Actually, that's funny. Because this is something this I would out. love to touch on. I never knew that you suffered with anxiety and panic uh, attacks. Deadly. And I really wanted to ask oh, wait, that how... makes sense where I got it from. No, it de Thank definitely you guys. Wasn't, but I want to ask how you oh. were able to cope with it in well, your generation. Because today it's a different time. We have way more resources, Well, tools, there was no resources, help. no. So how did you go through well, that? Well, it just happened. It just came upon me one day, and it was the most terrifying thing it I really ever is a felt in my thing. life. Because I, I said, am I possessed by a devil? No, you have weird thoughts. You have gory thoughts. You have fear thoughts. It's things. I think what saved me was music because wow. I, I when I'd be on stage, I'd be fine. But anything having to do with personal, that's probably why I didn't date or things like right, that. I was just of like, and it's it's not so much the panic attack, it's the fear of one coming on is scarier than the thing. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but they didn't have anything. I mean, I tried lithium, you know, this and that, but they didn't have any like Xanax then. This mm -hmm. is 1960s. And all of a sudden you you were, I was ashamed like to talk right. to anybody about it. the same. I mean, what do you do to go to a doctor? Hey, I just felt I dreamed I threw someone off a building. You go, really? Okay. So Maybe you're afraid because really you're not in control of those things of and course. your thoughts. And, you know, I think I never had them driving. I've had one, I had one recently driving. That is not fun. I pulled over. I go, no. Whoa, second. What age did this start for you? 19. It started oh. when I was about 19 till about 25, 26. And I used to talk to your father about it. I said, man, I don't know. I thought I was possessed. I said, what did I do? So scary because you've never talked to anyone about it and then you're afraid to tell you're people afraid about to, it. I mean, how do you talk to trying to meet a girl and go, hey, you know what? I had these thoughts. The girl goes, hey, okay. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. So eventually I, I kind of outgrew it. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes away because then you realize. Do you realize, think so? Because my, my dad still suffers some anxiety. Now, I saw your father... And he developed panic attack. I saw him have one on the Today Show. I really? saw it. Oh, yes. What happened? Well, he did the show. You know, I mean, you got to buck up and do the show. But you go, oh, Frank, I'm dying. We yeah, got off. Freeze. It was terrifying. But yeah, but uh, listen, man, I wouldn't want 
I mean, he's had a great life, but I wouldn't want to be the guy that everywhere you go, everyone knows who you are. I mean, you really can't go anywhere in the planet without being recognized. That's tough. You're more of a, you like to stay sort of under the radar. Well, I have you like an to ego. Do what you like I like to do. Yeah, I think more like the music thing. That's cool. I, I like, yeah. But his thing, I, this is before he met your mother, mm-hmm. and he wasn't married at the time. But we met these two girls at the Oakwood Apartments. Oh, boy. He goes, yeah, let's go visit them. I said, okay, man. I said, but you can't walk around. Everyone, though, ah, don't worry about it. So he's wearing a coat, a big hat, and sunglasses. So we're walking through the parking lot of the Oakbrook. These people walk back and go, hey, Sly, how you doing, man? We do another still, Rocky. Yeah. Because then you realize mm-hmm. his head is 40 feet on a screen all these years, and they know every, and he does have a certain way he walks. Of course. Right, yeah, right, so right. I, but they probably recognized you alongside him. No, they didn't recognize me at all. No, I was, this was, I think, before staying alive. But um, we had some funny times. I mean, he used to wear those Speedos. Oh, what? He, well, yeah, he goes. Oh, I've seen some pictures. He looks like a total grease ball. <laughs> this is when he was really built after doing Rocky Three, And I was wearing like a real jive bathing suit. So we're in Vegas. He goes, all right, I own this territory. <laughs> he walks out in this bright, like that color blue Speedo. Oh, geez, And he's like no. ripped. <laughs> and I'm there like wearing like, like balloon pants or something like that. But he's funny, though. I mean, we have, we've had... We've no, had, you guys, I love the relationship that you and my It's weird. Have. I mean, that's why when we, we don't talk, it really bugs me. And thanks to your mother. Your mother's kind of the peacekeeper. 100%. She is. You know, She's I think that... Because she likes everyone being happy. Mm-hmm. Even she though she gets her moods, too. But and she we likes, love having you, though. We, we always miss you when you're not there. Yeah, we have fun because he, you know, being that famous... He knows he can trust me. I'm not a mm-hmm. snitch. I'm not a rat. Right. I, I mean, I've been offered this sell stories and he knows he can trust me i know everything we know everything about each other mm-hmm. and that is a true story that he did put my hands in a cement mixer and took all the skin off my hands from oh here my here. god why would he do that because he was dennis the menace he was a cement mixer he did, yeah you know like you see the wheel the cement mixer the grooves that kind of go in like that, that, that. oh i put my, my hands there he goes, yeah, and he turned the wheel and it went Okay. And I pulled my hands up. One day you need to prank up. him and get back I have him. to say, though, for being a really good guitarist, mm-hmm. you've been shot in the hand, you've had your hands in a cement mixer, yeah. yet you still play really well. And I think I try. the unwaxers would love to hear a little something. You brought your you guitar, brought your guitar. Today. Oh. One summer day in and fall a red-headed woman She took a fall And now she's gone I can't worry I'm sitting on top of the world Songs. I can't think of a better way to wrap the episode. Yeah, than seriously. That. Well, girls, I'm very proud of you. I'm happy Aww. I finally did the show. Is this like show 200? Or? This is actually almost 100. This, this is, is going to be in the 90s. Well, thank you guys so much for listening girls, to this. Girls, I love with you. Him. I'm so happy you have me on the show. And we got some exciting stuff coming up in the future, which yep. uh, I'm sure these young ladies will. Yes. Eventually. Make sure you follow him, Frank Dot Stallone on Instagram. That's right. 
Frank Stallone guitars, watch Stallone, Frank that is the documentary on Amazon Prime. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. <laughs> Bye.